0: We've all heard of women's intuition, right? Well, men have intuition as well. Intuition is so important when it comes to feeding ourselves and our families in our challenging food environment. This podcast explores a variety of topics related to a powerful evidence-based eating framework called intuitive eating that integrates instinct, emotion, and rational thought. My hope is that it will help you finally break free of the perpetual diet cycle. This is the Men's Intuition Podcast. All right, and welcome back to another episode of the Men's Intuition Podcast. This is actually the first episode that will be released in 2023, so I'm excited to have have a guest with me today, and this is A.D. Alaman, and he is a Jewish husband and father helping Jewish dads make eating and exercise easy and stress-free so they can get back to being their best. He grew up wanting to be a professional baseball player i think i can relate to that as a kid who played baseball myself and having that desire but uh, even though getting bigger faster and stronger in college he didn't make the team and and professional ball seemed to basically stay a dream but he started to train others then he went uh, he wanted to uh, help men make change that lasts using intuitive eating and now he's coaching and not looking back. And so I'm excited to have him on today. I've been enjoying following his content over on Instagram. And later on, he'll tell you how you can, uh, how you can connect with him over there and, and follow that as well. And, and so it's been great getting to know him some. And so I'm really excited to have him on the, the podcast today. So without any further ado, welcome.
1: Thank you. So happy to be here. I'm definitely enjoying all the guys and uh, everyone you bring in on your shows and uh, seeing what you have to talk about
0: yeah great i love i love when i come across other guys doing this kind of work because as you know it's not the the most common thing out there um lots of lots of women doing it which is fantastic and i know i'm I'm sure you've learned a lot from them as i have but it's yeah. nice to have um i think when when guys are hearing from other guys and it's like oh so this is for guys too that's great so i think that helps a lot no definitely yeah so well, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into coaching and and why you use a weight neutral intuitive eating approach
2: sure so i'm thirty
1: one years old and I grew up in l a over here by l a x in westchester and uh I mean what I known as just a normal uh public school went to high school and then uh, definitely wanted to get drafted right out of high school um playing baseball. And that didn't happen, so started to look for colleges to see uh, where I could fit in in terms of the baseball team, and then like my mom in the background saying, "Okay, just in case, maybe like you want to do engineering or something." Uh, so I I followed those uh, schools as well, and I was kind of I was a little surprised like like there weren't any Division One offers, and uh, not so many scouts at our games and like juniors, senior year of high school baseball. Um, so I went to a couple of these camps and ended up going to one in San Diego, UC San Diego. And, um, uh, I definitely like the, the coaches, the school, and they had a nice engineering, good baseball team. And, uh, so I ended up talking to the coaches and they said, well, there's not like a full, we don't have a full ride for you. We don't really do that. You're welcome to come as a recruited walk-on so that's uh, just, you can show up, you're invited to the fall and, uh, that's, there's a lot of training then. And at the end of the fall, they decide like, who's going to be on the spring team, like the main team. So that's uh, the direction I went. And so that was, uh, back in 2009, that was, uh, end of high school, then that first semester in college. And I I, mean, I was surrounded by very high level baseball and I d- thought definitely I, I raised my game and thought I had a good shot. I played a couple of different positions for the team and, uh, one of the coaches said, uh, the the uh, head coach wants to talk to you in his office. Like, oh, uh-oh. Like, what does that mean? like the weeks prior seeing a couple guys leave over here and then over there mm-hmm. and so i uh, got to sit down and said well uh, we don't have space for you on this team there's lots of you guys we love uh how you play just right now it's not the time um so that was really really hard to hear and then yeah, it's like totally. okay, get back get back in the huddle and uh go clean up uh go rake the field and stuff like trying not to cry yeah <laughs> saying, saying uh see you later guys um so that was a really big shift. Uh, so that was like the fall, like Thanksgiving time, and didn't really know what to do. And some of the guys were like, "Oh, well, some guys go play lacrosse." Like, "Oh, okay. I never really hit anybody, but uh, I guess I'll give it a shot." I, I did that for like two weeks and uh, got knocked over by a guys twice my size and <laughs> had, my, had a had my fair share. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then uh, that spring, kind of played some. Like, pick up baseball here and there. And uh, the following year, tried out for the baseball team again. Didn't make it. So, did that every year. Uh, But uh, my uh, second year there, we started a club baseball team. So, that was just a student run. No, Nobody was really yelling. Uh, Good baseball players got to travel, have some fun. Mm -hmm. Um, So, that was like through college and still in the back of my head, I was like, well, maybe there's going to be like this one guy, like seeing the one perfect game that we're playing in. They are like, hey, you should come try out for the Dodgers. Um, so that, that dream was still kind of there. Definitely yeah. love playing.
2: Um,
1: so by the time two, uh, 2013, I graduated college, um, didn't have any offers to play professional baseball, didn't have any offers for engineering work. Um, so uh, a few months later, I went to Israel. And that was a really fantastic experience. Like throughout college, I was learning uh, with a rabbi and going to some of the social events and learning events and definitely getting more in touch with my Judaism. Mm -hmm. And uh, so by the end of college, I was like, I was in a place that, okay, I'm not like tied down to any work. I don't have uh, anything to really stay in LA for the second. So I I took a a three-week trip and uh, that was to Jerusalem. And it was like a, a learning intensive and then like some traveling. I I fell in love with Jerusalem, and uh, I saw that, wow, this kind of Judaism is something I really want to do every day, and I want to learn more. Mm -hmm. Um, At the same time, I was like, well, I don't really have so much money in my pocket right now. I need to figure out work, and uh, where do I go from there? I ended up coming back to L.A. and uh, worked a little bit uh, with my father doing electrical work, and I was fine. At the same time, like trying to find engineering positions, like more of like a career yeah do that thing i uh, would really felt weird cuz i wanted to figure out judaism and how i could do that every day and then at the same time like figure out work um, mm-hmm. so i am so going back and forth and eventually went back to israel uh, for a longer stay um so that was 20 the end of 2013 and so i stayed there uh 2017 2018 like going back and forth a little bit
2: mm-hmm.
1: and i got we got married in la uh in uh 2018 in january um so that was definitely a big life-changing
0: kind of moment yeah and, definitely uh, <laughs> getting married it's, it's a big change
1: <laughs> yes and then uh i came back to israel and now having someone else in my life it was i mean, its own no learning experience on its own uh in terms of like what we're talking about health and fitness the, the biggest thing that came up was uh, just how I approached eating and exercise, uh, my wife was there and definitely noticing. Like, wait a minute, I'm I'm making pasta for dinner. And I told her, well, no, I, I don't I don't eat pasta. Uh, what do you mean? <laughs> 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 um, I mean uh, yeah. So I, I had a kind of list of things that I don't eat or don't try to eat. And then and she had a list of things that she cooked. And so they didn't seem to match so well. And that was kind of a little bit of a debate. Mhm. And uh, she said, "Well, this like I don't know what you're doing. Just read this book, uh, learn about intuitive eating." And I was like, "Oh, like being like freshly married, like oh, okay, this will be a nice discussion I can talk with my wife." Mm-hmm. And but like, I like honestly, I read it and uh, took it in. I was like, "Wow, this is insane." This I've like noticed. There's tons of disordered eating and disordered practices that I thought I was doing to like be healthy, to be fit, to be athletic, mm-hmm. and It took like an outside observer that my wife to show me that there's some things that aren't uh, so healthy. Like, even though you think they're healthy, um, maybe try to reevaluate them. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So that was uh, back in 2018. Uh, I read the book and um, started uh, practicing some of these ideas and saying, like, wow, like this is, um, there's something to this. And um, I want to learn more. I want to put this into practice for my own life. And that was, yeah, 2018, 2019. And so that time we were in Israel, I was in Yeshiva. So it's take like a place where uh, the, the men learn, uh, learn Torah, uh, learn uh, Judaic studies, and definitely enjoying that. Uh, we were getting to a point where we we're ready to come back to LA and uh, start to make a living and uh, support a family. Um, so like in the meantime, I would uh, train guys one-on-one, uh, just in the gym at, the, at Yeshiva, at the school, and that was fun. It was like it was easy. I enjoyed it. They enjoyed it. I listened to fun music and I uh, did it like a couple of one-on-ones, couple of groups. And uh-huh. I was like, oh, okay, maybe I can do this in LA. I mean, there's people in LA. People want to train. Um, I was talking to uh, some people, and they were saying, no, and I mean, it's like pretty hectic, and you have to do this and that. So I started to, like steer away from that and figure out, like, well, I can, I guess, I can do engineering and. Um, so I tried to try to do that and look for jobs and got into construction, it was, like pretty similar. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there's like something missing, missing from me. Like, I felt like I wasn't contributing to uh, my community in a way that I really could and like mm-hmm. to express all my powers and efforts. Um, so I got into coaching that was, um, a, a year and a half ago, a year ago. And mm-hmm. to see there's a big difference on just like going to a, someone's house and jumping up and down with them and having a good time and exercising. Yeah. Definitely, and Like for that half hour, hour, there's it was a good, good session. And then they go, they stay home. I go home. And then for the week in between, it's like nothing changed really.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Or they changed like a drop. So yeah. I really figured, figured out how to, um, and myself wanted to have an impact that was greater than just like a drop. Uh, so I found coaching and got into uh, different books and methods and, and uh, took a coaching course and so like, wow, this is, this is something big. And this is, I think this is what I want to do. And um, so I've, that was last year and been doing that, um, uh, meeting, meeting people, telling them this is what I do and making clients mm-hmm. and yeah. just seeing like, this is uh, something I love doing. And this is something that they're changing in their lives for hopefully a long time.
0: Yeah. Well, that's great. I I think that's, that's important. That's i'd say similar in a lot of ways um obviously completely different story but similar kind of how i got into the coaching thing too was the the desire to help people and to serve people and and to um to invest in other people and help them navigate things that i've been able to work through myself and that that i've you know that resonate with me and and it it sounds like that's kind of what happened with you too is you you came from this background this um you know very somewhat rigid in, in the way that you looked at your nutrition and, and then intuitive eating opened your eyes up to, oh, you know, I, this isn't necessary. And then of course, when you start digging into it, as you know, you know, you start finding out that, oh, I don't have to restrict these things. I can still be super healthy. And I mean, even if you are uh, very, very focused on like the details of your nutrition, it's really interesting when you look at the science of it, that that uh it's not necessary to cut out these foods and and things too, right. so even even for those who aren't quite uh ready to embrace intuitive eating it's still you can still eat pasta and and carbs and sugar and and all of those things and and still be very healthy and in fact, who knows i mean it may have helped improve your performance had you been eating some of those things too um because you know some of those foods are are you know they give us a lot of good energy and a lot of good nutrition.
2: Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah, now um when you know you you talked about your um we'll get I'm, we're going to talk about some of your face stuff later because I think that's also a important aspect of this but um you you talked about your desire to play professional baseball and and so obviously you're pushing yourself in training and and that kind of thing. Did you ever find yourself overtraining or pushing your bar- body harder than you should and maybe have you ever seen that in some of the people that you worked with uh, as a coach too? and seen that tendency
2: yeah so in
1: terms of overtraining i guess depends like how you define it like in a like one particular exercise i would like run very hard and if it's in the weight room i would go to go to my max uh, like within like still trying to hold form um i think as like an overall approach i definitely did overtrain in terms of probably more in college when that was like a very intense, there's hour weightlifting three times a week in the morning. And then almost like three hours, Monday to Friday in the afternoons, um, probably like a month and a half, two months into that, I went to the trainer and they looked at my quads. They're like, you can't even, you have like no mobility, I don't know how you're running. Um, they were just like <laughs> so tight. Um, so in terms of like that one, like a one practice, like, I, I wouldn't, like, throw up or something from running too hard, but I don't think mm-hmm. I gave my body hardly a, as much as it needed in terms of food and rest and definitely, um, like, injury pre- injury prevention. Like, my mm-hmm. ankles got pretty beat up, and I kind of just said like, okay, tape them up and let's go. Um, yeah. Which, like, might be, like, an approach for, like, one specific game, but it was, like, every practice. Like, it's a fall season. It's, like, six months away from <laughs> yeah. any sort of season. It's just, like, go and go um so that i would say was like over training and just like under recovery so that's a word
0: yeah yeah i definitely did some of that myself too i mean i played baseball in high school but i wasn't quite as serious about it that i had fun with it and you know i started and stuff but I, I wasn't planning to go to go to college and play ball but i did get into competitive rock climbing and we did, um, we climbed seven days a week and for hours every yeah. day and we ditch school and go climbing and you know, all that <laughs> stuff, climb all weekend. But when our fingers, when our tendons and our fingers started acting up, we just tape them up. <laughs> and instead really? of letting them rest, you know, you just, just tape them up like you would, uh, yeah. for tennis elbow, but you do that on your fingers. So the same kind of thing, you just kind of habitually and chronically just kept pushing through that and pushing through that. And Uh, certainly not the not the way to do things but um do you do you ever have has has your attitude changed in as far as training mentality and and mentality around exercise and that kind of thing since kind of discovering intuitive eating because you know one of you know the principle number nine is this kind of rethinking re re reimagining how you know how exercise well the word exercise and thinking more in terms of like movement and that kind of yeah. a thing so not so much of a focus on it how has that changed for you
1: it's definitely changed a ton um like after college i was still kind of doing the same i'm going to lift heavy i'm going to try to do get my sprints in throughout the week and um so i would still kind of do that i would play baseball and still want to mm-hmm. be able to perform like i used to Um, But then like 2018, like after getting married and seeing like, wow, exercise is not what I thought it was. And so I kind of changed it to, let me just, uh, I want to be able to continue to have like my strength and flexibility and mobility. Um, So I'm just going to do things that help with that. So a lot of that changed to like bodyweight exercises. Um, Mm -hmm. Like we didn't have like a commercial gym or anything. So so some of it was just like practical and other things, it was I kind of just enjoyed that aspect of it being able to control my body this way and like push-ups and pull-ups and uh, that way. And with that, I wasn't also training to be super extreme on anything. So it was just like, it was fun. I liked the challenge of it. And then when I got to a point, it's like, okay, I know I did uh, a lot of stuff here. So that's good. Let's go stretch, Mm -hmm. uh, get some water. Um, Is that that the whole question?
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's good. Yeah, that's that's kind of the same thing that I'd say my my mentality changed a lot in that same way where it was less about the like never missing a workout and making sure that I hit all of my numbers every session and pushed myself to exhaustion each time to basically saying, you know, sometimes I do that cuz it feels good, I enjoy it sometimes, pushing myself, yeah. and other times I just feel better going in and doing something and it, and it's not really not viewing it as a cop out, you know, back back in the day. This I mean, this kind of brings up, you know, um, well, something we'll talk about in a little bit. Oh, well, might as well talk about it now. You know, a big part of the competitive sports is kind of pushing yourself as well as yeah. being pushed by others. And mm-hmm. um, like your coaches, fellow players, parents, you know, whatever. Um, You know, so much of intuitive eating emphasizes this this kind of gentle aspect compassion giving yourself grace that kind of thing um looking at things as learning experiences instead of failures and those Mm. kinds of things Do you feel like there's a place for toughness and grit doing hard things that might not be fun discipline sucking it up at times those kinds of things with intuitive eating have have you found a balance with that do you use that with um in coaching people i'm kind of curious your thoughts on that
1: yeah, I think this is definitely like, some, something that I'm uh, actively thinking about. Like how do I still combine like kind of some of the aspects and attitudes that I did learn from baseball and that I enjoyed, um, but then also kind of playing into um, more of like the like, caring, loving side of myself.
2: But um, so, like in terms of working with clients, it kind of depends on like where they're
1: holding, like what they're up to. So if they're just like very frazzled and uh don't know how to even just make time to have a call together, um, then I mean I'll probably start with some I mean I call it like lover energy, just like more compassion, just saying, Hey, um, I know stuff's really hectic right now. And then like when I sense or they say that like they're felt like they're heard, they understand, they're understood then I kind of would shift into a little bit more of like a coach aspect where it's a little more like, I call it warrior, uh, but it's more, mm-hmm. like, a little more firm, like, hey, so what's going on? And that's like a space for them to uh, play into integrity and be like, hey, you made a commitment. What's happening? It's like, oh, it didn't, it didn't work out. You didn't have time. So, oh, is that something that's outside of just making time for exercise, or this is something that you kind of play to more often than you'd like to.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think that's good the the kind of kind of feeling it out and figuring out when they're ready to hear certain things, maybe ready not to hear certain things. Uh personality too. I mean, based on what the what the individual wants. One of the things that, that I find is that, you know, with different people, they they need something different. They want something different. And that it's important to find out not only what they want but sometimes help them to figure out what it is that they really need so sometimes people will say oh i need this or i want this and i like to make sure that they have autonomy i you know i'm not going to tell somebody what they want or what they need but at the same time sometimes it's clear that maybe they would really benefit from taking a different approach or from something Mm -hmm. else and so might help them to kind of discover that on their own with different people, I think that we just we can apply it in different ways. You know, I have my, myself as an example. I, I do ninja training, and so my training is a little bit more structured, and, and I push myself a little harder, and and like to see progress in different things more. But then I have some clients, and you know, I have one who's probably my most consistent exerciser of of anybody I've ever worked with. I mean, he just doesn't miss his workouts, but he's also only done for a week so he's given himself Mm -hmm. a very reasonable amount um he is super consistent with it he doesn't he he prefers not to push himself super hard so his workouts are like a 7 out of 10 for intensity and they're always about that which is cool um his progress you know he's slowly making progress he's enjoying it uh has no issues doesn't It doesn't need pushed and that kind of thing. And so, you know, you kind of see these different personalities where other people may want that accountability and they want they actually want you to say, hey, call them out on things and stuff like that. And so I think it's good to to have that um, that flexibility and and that variety of approaches with the individual. I mean, it really just comes Mm -hmm. back to hey, what does the individual want? And there's plenty of room for that, I think, with intuitive eating. Would you would you agree with that?
1: yeah i think definitely there's like i'll talk to people and they like i was thinking about going to the gym and like like don't really want to and i I tell them like well i'm not going to make you go to the gym we're going to find something that you actually enjoy some sort of movement and like when if we're ready like when we're ready if we want to figure out some strength training and just kind of shift maybe shift a bit of mindset to figure out how that looks differently than i maybe used to then we'll go that route but sometimes it's just like what's what are you interested in i was like oh maybe some martial arts class oh okay so let's see what's in your neighborhood like oh okay (laughs) and they're like feeling oh i can do that (laughs)
2: yeah
1: they feel a lot better that oh this is also me being healthy and finding movement that's easy and fun
0: yeah yeah it's like a lot of times they're they're surprised to find out that you oh hiking counts like going for a hike on the weekend or um working out in the yard for a few hours that count you know and I have to do my little air quotes here yeah. if, if you're listening but that counts as movement and it's like yeah I mean all those things are are good for our bodies and it's really interesting the research in in the to these areas with uh with physical activity that you get so many of the low hanging fruit benefits just from being physically active and of course you're going to be more likely to do it if you're doing stuff that that you find fun interesting that yeah. kind of thing
1: yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that was also a really big shift in my exercise that I would have like four uh, days a week where it's like all intense. And then like running, like now and then, like maybe think about going to play soccer, but then still having like a go do sprints after soccer. Like, no, like soccer, baseball, whatever the activity is, that's my movement for the day. That's my activity. And I'm, yeah. I enjoy that activity way better and just like feel a lot better after. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think that's a good point. You mentioned that because it's it is it's easy to say, oh, well, um, I did go for a hike or I went and played at the park with my with my kids or I played a pickup game, of basketball or baseball or tennis or whatever, uh, whatever it is. And then you think, oh, but I didn't lift any weights, So I guess I should I need to do some push ups and crunches at least, you know, to get that. And it's like, no, you don't. <laughs> you don't have to do anything like that. And if you like it, go for it. I mean, hey, if, if that's if that's something that you find enjoyable, then by all means, I mean, when I was climbing, we trained hard, we, we trained multiple hours a day and, um, and it, it was fun. I mean, I enjoyed all of it. So yeah. for me at that time, that was, that was jo- you know, joyful movement, so to speak. But, um, yeah. but it's really easy to get caught up in thinking, Oh, well, I used to do this. And that's another thing I hear. Do you ever hear that from people? Oh, I used to do X, Y, and Z. And so now, but now all I'm doing is, you know, this. So I used to work out six days a week. Now all I'm doing is two or three. Um, and I think it's really interesting when you're able to help people see that, hey, that's okay too, if that's what works for you.
1: Yeah, definitely. You yeah, know, I talk to people like, hey, so like what'd you do in the past that worked? What didn't work? And they would say like, they did have a routine and then they'd shift over and, t- and talk about how they're doing today. And it kind of like the tone, like shifts to, more like like shame it's not like really heavy but it's like man i wish i could do this and that um so Mm i help them like reframe it and say like look this is where you're at this is what you're doing and if you want to work towards something else then we'll pause and then just go see how we can do that
0: yeah no i think that's good so um like you mentioned talking to kind of targeting jewish dads and i think that's great when you can kind of have a niche like that where you can relate to them on on other levels and and in other ways other than around the physical activity and and that kind of thing i think that can be really helpful especially when it's with food because i know um you know i i had a jewish client recently who uh i had to learn a little bit more about some of their cultural things to make sure Mm -hmm. that some of the the things that we were talking about related to food and and stuff like that was appropriate that I wasn't recommending Probably. like hey what what do you think about this idea and that being completely like inappropriate for for uh how they would uh have their meals and that kind of thing so i think that's really cool that that you're that you target that how does that look um with like in the context of intuitive eating uh when you start to factor in the 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 cultural things maybe some of the specific things that you find with jewish uh people
1: I'm um, sure. I think one thing is just like kind of a little more external, like uh, like schedule things and how it looks. And then the other thing is, uh, is like a Jewish outlook and if it applies to different Jewish laws or anything. Uh, mm-hmm. So like in terms of the first thing <clears throat> in terms of like a schedule, um, so a lot of people have uh, children and they take them to school, they take them back, just like carpool and that's not so new. Um, at the same time there's uh, some of the Jewish men have uh they try to go learn uh Torah, so Jewish studies, either like maybe before work and then mm-hmm. uh after work in the evenings. Um, so it's like definitely a lot on the plate. And with all of that it's just there's a definitely a drive to make sure that someone is working and has their livelihood con- uh, taken care of and then like also there. Um so sometimes it's just like seeing that understanding in a like just a one-on-one basis that, yeah, I definitely know what you're going through right now. There's a lot going on. And how can we make this work? Uh, so that's like schedule-wise. Uh, so it's just something we have common ground on.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And the other thing is like a Jewish outlook on things. Um, so it's maybe I'll, I'll be talking to someone and they kind of shift into like, well, I used to look like this when I was in uh, in college and I was this active. And I really want to get back towards that. So I think intuitive eating uh, kind of blends very well with a Jewish outlook on like like we're gonna do something that's not hurting ourselves, but it's gonna be something that's mm-hmm. gonna be healthy for us. And we know that like the exterior, like the just that those ideas, like what we look like, it's not the be all end all. Yeah. And uh maybe on the side we can talk about like how we how some people take like your body as a business card and like, uh, mm-hmm. that, like the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. Uh, that'd be something interesting. Um, uh, yeah. uh, in terms of the Jewish approach, it's uh, so it's easy to like, say, like, look, look, we have Jewish laws. Like, yes, we do want to be able to take care of ourselves. At the same time, we want to do it in a normal way. Like, I'm not, I'm like, not going to tell you like, okay, four times a week, it's an hour and that's it. And if you can't do it, then you're not my client. Mm-hmm.
2: Like,
1: like, no, like we, we're going to make it work. And I think that's like perfect with intuitive eating. Like, you know where the the person is and anything you're going to be doing is going to be a game. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I think that's good. That's a that's a important, I think, to be able to understand some of those specific things that, uh, you know, whether it's the schedule, like you said, being a parent. Um, And then also the cultural customs and stuff. I I know I found myself as i I'm a Christian. And so I find that when I work with other Christians, uh, we can actually look at things. um, We can talk about certain things from a perspective that I can't with my non-Christian clients, because, um, you know, there are certain faith aspects that I can, I can bring in and relate to the intuitive eating process. Like you mentioned the appearance thing, you know, that's a, that's something that obviously out for people who aren't Jewish or who aren't Christian, we can still say, "Hey, you know, focusing on outward appearance isn't necessarily going to be the best thing. What are some other things that we can focus on, but when we're when we're also able to bring in those core beliefs about who we are as human beings and you know and and um and we can bring that in into the conversation and say, "Hey, you know, maybe you can bring up a passage from the Torah or you know, from the Bible or whatever, yeah, and work exactly. that I'm in there fun. as, hey, you know, remember this part. And they can sort of relate their faith to the to what they're they're learning through intuitive eating. And I think that that, that can be really helpful. And um so it's often often really helpful to be able to understand those cultural aspects that we can we can bring in. Or man the same thing, you know, if if you um observe the Sabbath and, and that kind of thing. And that's a very important part and aspect and even food choices and and the feasts and festivals and those kinds of things those are all factors that that come into play in the in the in our relationship with food and and so do you find that 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 is uh something that do do people find a freedom when they realize that hey their culture their cultural customs are healthy and can be very healthy or maybe before they thought well if i eat this certain way you know, it, they they tell me that's not healthy. I don't know. Do you run into any of that kind of thing in in uh, Judaism?
1: Yeah, it's like there's like you were talking about there's the Sabbath, there's Shabbos. Um, so every mm-hmm. Friday night to Saturday night, uh, we turn off the phones, and we have uh, uh, festive meals. I guess you can call them, and they're mm-hmm. usually big meals. There's, there's challah, there's lots of bread, and but um, so I'll talk to people and it's like, yeah, challah is like my the worst nightmare. And it's like that's. And we have yeah. to have it three, time, three times in a day. So they kind of feel overload, overwhelmed with that. And then, like, when other holidays uh, come up to Co Passover, uh, those are not only we have the, the Sabbath, but then a couple of days in a row of uh, a lot of big meals. And for some people, it's just mm-hmm. very overwhelming. And then, so when I, I'm able to work with them, and they see that there's an approach that allows you to, like, number one, still enjoy all the food and probably Mm -hmm. to even a greater level than you had before. And then number two is like, feel totally fine and not overstuffed um, hardly anymore. And there's a whole other appreciation for the holiday at that point when food Mm -hmm. is like not some scary thing, it's just really um, uh, integral part of the holiday and it's really enjoyed instead of really
2: scary.
0: Yeah, I think that's really important that people, because, because all those feasts and those celebrations, those are not just things to do. They're integral parts of your faith. They're ways that you express your your faith, that you live out your faith, that you relate to God, and and those kinds of things. And and it's you know it's not just um, you know it's not just a matter of do this, do you know follow these rules. Or you you want to enjoy that. You want to connect with that experience. If you want to really make the most of that time and so yeah, if sure. you're constantly worried like oh, i have to eat bread again even if you and it's one thing if you just hate bread if you don't like the taste of it that's a different thing but if you actually like it but you're sitting there worried about oh i'm going to gain weight after this or i'm oh i shouldn't be eating this or oh it's going to give me diabetes or you know all kinds of things that go through our head because of our the diet culture that we live in um that takes away from that connection with the whether it's with family, with God, with, you know, ha- your, your whole, um, the whole experience. So I'm sure mm-hmm. that, that that, has been helpful for people to really find that freedom in that.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Definitely. Like you said, like the, when able to integrate it and kind of see that their experience now compared to months before how they would experience the Shabbos, totally different, mm-hmm. they're on a different level. Like just physically and then they have more room for their family and for faith and for that so they found a new freedom
2: it's great
0: yeah do you have any any um tips that you give people who are maybe new to it to um to kind of make some peace with some of those foods those practices and, and that kind of thing what are some what are some things that you that you do with your your clients or that you would recommend for anybody who's listening
1: yeah sure. I think definitely this is uh stuff from the intuitive eating workbook and uh, like around uh understanding and feeling fullness cues uh, so one of the mm-hmm. the easier ones to start off with people is that so they have their meal and then maybe ten fifteen minutes in uh they just put in like a little break and they mm-hmm. sit back a little bit so there's a little physical change and then give them a couple cues to see how they're feeling like what your stomach feel like. How's the food tasting? Are you still getting the same, like, richness and the salts and, and all the flavors? Are those starting to change? And, uh, and then, like, nothing too crazy. And then, okay, go on with your meal. And then another, maybe 20 minutes later, if you start to see that the plates are starting to clear, uh, see, now see what, see what's happening. Is that same piece of food tastes the same? Or are you actually noticing,
2: like, it's a little more muted and you're, you're starting to fill up?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good one. That's a, that's a, a one that I like to use also. It's a, it, cause it's real practical. And I know you have an engineering background. I do too in, in software engineering. And so I always like very rational things that just make sense. And the, yeah. that's one of the things that, that I always liked with the, that the hunger and fullness principles of intuitive eating. You know, it's only two of the 10, but it's, it's a couple that just makes so much sense. It's like, oh, yeah. So my body, if it's telling me, yeah, it's hungry it's probably because it needs energy so i should probably give it but at the same time you know it's going to give me signals to tell me when when i've had enough when it doesn't need any more and i think that's a great one and yeah like you were saying you know sometimes just taking that little pause in the middle um you know a couple things you know one is it gives you a chance to let your body register that you've been eating because those hormones are the things that are, are some of the those chemical messengers that send mm-hmm. those signals that tell our body, you know, tell us that we've had enough. Um, but it also, it's kind of a good thing, a good reminder to pause and reconnect with what's going on. That's another thing that I, I always find helpful is, especially in a social or a, a celebratory environment, taking yeah. that moment to pause and say, oh, okay, I'm going to step back and I'm going to listen to the conversation or I'm going to throw something in myself. And, and that can help, give you give you something to do other than eat while you're kind of deciding do i need anymore do i want anymore you know, would it be more satisfying if i continued eating or am i completely satisfied now and you know those kinds of questions so do you find that um that intuitive eating the principles do they do they seem to mesh well with the uh judaic practices and customs do you see any? Do you ever run into any conflict with any of them, um, that, that, uh, with any of your beliefs, um, specific, I was just kind of curious about that.
1: Yeah. And this was like something that took a little more time and like a little more depth into intuitive eating and healthy every size, mm-hmm. um, to finally like put some things together. Uh, definitely a lot of the principles, um, <clears throat> line up well, like there's different, um, learnings, from like oral tradition um, that talk about like okay, so make sure
2: that um, you're not eating like, like you're not too full um, in terms of that,
1: um, and then also with like separating ourselves from diet mentality, um, it's also a very uh, strong idea in Judaism. Like we have like our our rabbis and our our people that we go to for. Our source of knowledge and if we have questions to go there um so to be able to just like separate separate ourselves from our environment um also also applies here like okay so maybe the diet diet mentality is not something so healthy like oh, but a lot of people are doing it like, okay yeah but it's not so healthy so then it's like there's like a reframe and kind of like working it in um so like definitely like using your intellect to make everything make sense is a big
2: idea mm-hmm. Yeah
0: yeah you know one of the things that that um comes up with me from my my christian faith which you know we're going to have very similar principles in 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 a lot of those those uh those ways is the you know i've had people somewhat resistant to the idea when i've talked about being more um being non-judgmental or um, not looking at things as mistakes and rather learning experiences and that kind of thing. And taking that to, to think, oh, well, you know, that, that's just a very, um, you know, that's just this modern viewpoint where there's no right or wrong. It's just whatever is true for Mm -hmm. you is, you know, that kind of mentality. And, and I think one of the things, you know, as an example, you know, thinking of, um, calling out things as sinful or right or wrong, you know, based on, um, objective moral standards you know you have the torah and that there are objective moral stan- adultery is wrong you know it, it, th- those kinds of things and lying is wrong you know those kinds of things but um and, and i think sometimes people mix up the right and wrong and they start applying it to food so they start to th- to look at food as like this like taking a non-judgmental attitude toward food is very different than taking a non-judgmental attitude toward moral issues. And um have you had any have you really thought through that yourself much or or had any pushback of when when you t- encourage people to take a much more gentle relaxed approach around food where they view it maybe as a lack of discipline, a lack of uh, where maybe they're trying to be more disciplined in their spiritual life but now you're almost telling them to be a little bit less in, in the way that they look at their food and, or less rigid and that kind of thing. In, any thoughts on that? I know I didn't m- mention that ahead of time to no, you to give fine. you a heads up, but I was kind of curious your thoughts on that since we've kind of been talking about this a little.
1: Right, so like this this point also, it's something like that I try to go uh, more into depth with uh, some of the guys that like. well, if I equate sugar and like a soda to being mm-hmm. something unhealthy, and then well that's like also the yeah. black and white then every time I, I go get soda then that's something that's bad that's something that's no good mm-hmm. um so like that so that mindset is still kind of um around and the thoughts around sugar and those things like still exist but so not like everyone in the orthodox community is the intuitive eaters um mm-hmm. uh, there's still like the idea that like oh no like yeah we have some sweets but we really shouldn't
2: um
1: so it's like a yeah. hard balance like yes it's like nice to enjoy but don't overdo it
0: yeah well that's uh, that curiosity stuff that that can always be uh be helpful with intuitive eating is to to go in and reflect on you know why it is that maybe you ate more than was comfortable and and mm-hmm. all of that good stuff yeah this has been a really good conversation i've really enjoyed talking to you on this i think this is Get, there's a lot of good helpful things in here. So maybe what you can do now is just let people know how they can connect with you. If they are interested in working with you, um love to for you to provide them uh information on how they can get in touch with you. And I'll include that in the show notes too.
1: Okay, sure. Um yeah, so I've been on on Instagram, uh Alamon Understore Coaching, this is my last name and coaching. And uh yeah, there I've had uh, some uh posts and kind of different tips and things that we've discussed today, and then other kind of like food for thought types of questions uh to kind of that help me transition from like diet culture to more of intuitive eating mm-hmm. ideas so that's um instagram uh, you can message me in there and we can set up a strategy conversation and see what where you're holding and see what uh, it looks like to work together and the other thing I'm doing is like for some of the people in the Jewish community they have a uh, like, like WhatsApp is really big and we have lots of groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have a group there and uh, I send similar ideas and questions and have uh, conversations in that fashion as well. So if you want like more of a community oh, cool. kind of aspect, so that's a great place to start too. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that is that is great. I know a lot of, a lot of people are really benefit from, from a group environment and that group kind of uh, coaching and the community where you can just bounce ideas off each other um rather than you know just sort of asking your coach a question and having them give you an answer it's it can be nice to have multiple people chime in and say hey well this works for me or um you know i tried this one time and kind of hearing from more than one source can be really helpful so that's great yeah yeah glad you're doing that all right well well thanks again for joining me i really enjoyed our conversation and look forward to continuing to follow you on on instagram and and connecting and maybe have you on again at some point to talk about another interesting topic and that kind of thing so always looking f- always always look forward to to um reading your content and talking with you so
1: thank you yeah thanks so much for having me and uh we'll be in touch i love to see what you're doing and how your your groups and your work is going definitely are. like to build each other up